Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Saturdays with Jenny. Well, at the very end of her brand new novel, which is called A Family Affair, Suniati goes, and there is the last, in, in her acknowledgements, the last paragraph is all to do with book clubs, which is one of the reasons I thought it would be great to invite Lorraine. Now, what's her surname? Oh God, I'm just joking now. <laughs> uh, Lorraine Satoli. And that is Sue, mm, not Hartman, but Sue Niati uh, chatting. But what she says right at the very end of the book is that thank you to all of those who've organized yourselves into book clubs that make this engagement possible and intimate and then she goes and she lists some of them there's Afroculture, there's Bafati Bebomberni, Black Women Read, Between the Covers The Fat Cats, Literary Alliance The Book Club with No Name The Book Review, The Bookwormers of course that we've just been speaking to them Uh, The Dainty Literates, The Interesting Book Club, Reading Between the Covers The Womanist Book Club, Yahoo Book Club So, so, Suniati first of all, welcome and I'm absolutely delighted to be speaking to you about a family affair. Thank you for inviting me. It's been but, a while, yeah. Yeah, it has been. Well, no, well, it takes a while for books to, to, to come, come out. out. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't just sort of um, <laughs> turn one out every single year. That yeah. is that is incredible pressure. But it is absolutely true that the the book industry owes a vast amount, and they know it, to book clubs, particularly women's reading, which tends to be fiction. Exactly. And they, you know, they drive the discourse around books and spread the word. word you know, word of mouth marketing is, is very important. Of course. Yeah. But I, lo- I love that you use a wonderful word when you're talking about them and you say sometimes that we have raucous meetings. And, and I think that that's, that's what I was trying to get across with Lorraine. She is the, the, that book, you know, the Book Women's Club is embedded in the community, but it's also a community of women. Yeah. And, uh, and I think all sorts of things happen within that community. Yeah. And, and there's the social aspect and in terms of the debates, the discussions. I mean, the fact that we can tear a book apart in an afternoon is 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 amazing you know and pack it you know the themes and and people can actually relate to it with their own lives and for me that's engaging because i mean if you think of a writer's life you write on your own for a long period of time mm. and so that's the only time you actually do get to engage with your audience and how they you know and and, and you know see how they receive the book because mm. people receive you know your work differently and of so course. it's always interesting i find that very interesting of course no i mean that is you know once it's on the shelves it's not yours anymore no. um it's it, it's mine that character is <laughs> mine and i don't like them yeah and uh, and you know that's that's and the next person says well well, what what was wrong with that person? What mm. was you know? And that is part of the the discourse that one actually has, and it opens windows uh, for you and also for me. But when I first met you, which I think was close to twenty twelve, mm-hmm. or, or or not long after, so, yes, um, you had a self published book, and that was the Polygamist. Yes. And apparently, you're thinking of doing a sequel to it, or are you not? Yeah, I am. Um, so that the idea came during lockdown, actually. Um, you know, for a long time, readers have been asking. I'm not really a fan of writing sequels. And um, so it, the idea popped out how I could actually do a sequel to that book. Because I, I always thought that story was complete as it was. But, you know, I sort of... The, the idea came to me and I sort of started writing the sequel to that book. So, yeah. So and is it working? It is so far. 
yeah, so far it is working out. Yeah. Well, after that, you you took that great big leap, and uh, and your next book was in 2018, and it was the Gold Diggers, which is, I mean, I do, I still think it's an absolutely outstanding read. And whenever anybody posts a picture of um, Zimbabweans climbing through a badly built fence, I think, think of I think of, of the Gold Diggers, exactly. and that was a book full of tragedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there was some tragic. Incidents in that book, but also some success stories. Yes. What immigrants actually do bring to South Africa, or particularly to Joburg in this place, of course. And but you you sit and you observe characteristics. I'm because you do it again in a family yeah, affair. Yeah. So how do you how does that work actually come about? Do you just sit at a party <laughs> quietly on your own? No, I, I, I'm not even thinking about it. I think subconsciously it happens. I mean, if you think of a family affair. It's a story that I started in my 20s when I, I started university. Mm. And I was also grappling with this idea. You know, I, I had the pressure, you know, to get married. So I was under pressure to find a suitable partner to get married to. And whilst, you know, you're studying. So whilst you, you're going to go and get an, a higher education, you know, education is not, marriage is still the, the primary goal. Education is something to fall back on if you, you know. You have something to have as well, and you're always encouraged to have a career in your marriage in case things don't work out. You have something, you know, but you still had to get married. So it was that's what set it off. It was that 20 something year old who's you know looking at this. You know, you've grown up in a patriarchal society, mm-hmm. you, you, you want to be the dutiful daughter, you want to conform, you want to meet all those expectations, and so that's what set off that book. But I think with time, the thinking behind that story began to change as, as I grew older. I mean, it's been like over since 20s through my 30s. Mm-hmm. And I revisited again after when I turned 40, you know, and it was interesting to me to see that some of those things hadn't changed. The, the very same things that bothered me and mm-hmm. set me off to write the book in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, I guess it's because I'm so aware of what's going on around me. And yeah, <laughs> well, the book for, for for people who haven't read it, and and this is you know a wonderful book club book, uh, the family affair. Uh, it's descri- described on the cover as a contemporary African saga that serves up all the ingredients: rags and riches, hero women, sex, the mega church, and romance. So much romance. That's Carabo, of course. Mm. But I mean, I I didn't think there was all that amount of of, of romance. romance. Yeah. But it's set in Bulawayo, and when you were talking about a patriarchal society I kept thinking well of course it's patriarchal because the father of three very lively very different girls is a pastor and what he says is law you know and God will will it and that you know never mind what he thinks but he's got an iron grip and you you go into uh, into the book with the the section called birth and it is it's light Mm-hmm. It is light. There are little clues already appearing yes. about uh, you, the, the one sister who is getting married. And amidst all the joy of the dress and the, the veil and parties and goodness knows what, she's just ever so slightly unsure, mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> ever so slightly yeah. unsure. And uh, nonetheless, it's happy and her husband adores her and whatever. And I, as I went through the book, I thought... You know, I'm I'm really enjoying it and I'm loving getting to know the sisters mm-hmm. because they are all so very, very different, particularly the rebel sister at that particular That's stage. Huge. And um and and I kept thinking 
but this book is going to have to go quite quickly. It's going to have to go deeper. And it does, but it does it so gently. Yeah. It, it's a slow build-up yeah. of everyone's problems, including the pastor yeah. <laughs> um, and including the pastor's wife. Right, yeah, no one's spared knowing this book. No, nobody is spared. Mm-hmm. But, but that, that incredible pressure to get married because you are not whole as a woman mm-hmm. unless you are married mm-hmm. – I just found it absolutely mind-boggling because no matter how clever the girls were, they had to get married. And even if it was an unlikely partner or a repellent partner, one of them certainly at some stage had a repellent partner, it didn't matter. It was the marriage that was the important thing. And I think it raises the question of the different, you know, motives for people getting married. Some people do it for love. Some for respectability, some for money. But there's so many different motives. And I think the book explores that. And and I think it hasn't changed, Jenny. It's the same. I mean, the same way it was in my 20s is still the same. I mean, I remember looking at my younger sister, who's 15 years younger than me, and her group of friends. And they're like 25, 26. And they've all just had like a spate of, of marriages now. And even though they're all educated professionals, my sister's an actuary, her friends are doctors, they all felt the pressure. And so it was, you've ticked the box. You know, so it's it's very important, um, and it and it and even with everything you know they have now, you know the options they have, marriage is still an important choice for them. But what what really interested me because they they all in their different ways had um, either marriages or long term relationships with one of the sisters, um, and uh, and was pressured of course into into getting married again. But we take them through several years. I mean, a decade mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. And uh, and they they emerge from it different. Yeah. Th- these are yeah. these are mature women. No. Um, some of them grappling with with um, huge difficulties, and others making brave decisions. I can't talk too much about it because I'm going to spoil it. Yeah. I really will spoil it. But the one with the happy marriage makes a really interesting decision, and you worry, you know, you wonder about that, and so did her husband wonder about it, and he adored her. Um, the 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 eldest sister the businesswoman she makes um she makes what i would call a really pragmatic decision mm-hmm. but she she took she took 20 years to come to that, that decision didn't yeah. she yeah and the important thing as well about the book is also to say we have choices as women and what's important whether whatever your choice is in life you need to own it you know and be able to to stand by your choices in the face of whatever it is that you you know own it and stand by it. So which woman, which sister changed the most in writing it? Because you can know them as a writer quite well when you start off with them, mm-hmm. but they are changing and they change, They have to change naturally uh, through your pen. I mean, which, which was the one that interested you most um, as, they, as they grew older? I think for me it, it was Rolis' journey because initially I didn't write her like that. Um, and the decision to change her came much later, as an old when an older Sue. When I was looking back at that story, um, I felt, you know, it, it didn't necessarily ring quite true. <laughs> and I, you know, if I if I explain too much, then I'm sort of giving away. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, so her story did change from what it was in the earlier drafts of the book. Yandisa's story has been consistent throughout. Um, her story from start to end was always like that. Maybe not necessarily the ending, but. Her, her character stayed. Mm. It's, it's always been like that. And Zandida's 
story change too. Yeah. Well, you haven't flinched, and that was also part of the gold diggers with dealing with very, very deep societal issues yes. and and issues that intimately and particularly in lockdown. Uh, that are heightened, the issues of men and women living together, um, issues of violence and yes. abuse and, and, and whatever, and, and the terrible, terrible sin of silence. Mm. And, uh, and so you deal with that. And again, that was something that crept up slowly. But when you start going back in the book, as I did, it was there right from the very beginning. It had been planted, yes. I'd yes. been planting it all along. You know, I think the problem we have as society you know, is the silence, Jenny, that you talk about. And I feel like we need to start amplifying it. And I have a voice as a writer to do that. And I can do that in my books. There are certain subjects we shy away from. And sometimes when people deal with violence in novels, they romanticize it, I find, you know, which is, which is, I don't like that. Mm. I think it should be portrayed. It, violence is gruesome mm. and it should be portrayed in such a way. Mm. Um, I mean, I've heard people say, well, there's a lot of sex in this book, but not of all, not all of the sex is consensual. Mm. Some of it is non-consensual. And I'm mm. trying to teach that you know how is, how is when we say no, what does that mean? What does it look like? Mm. How is non-consensual sex portrayed? So it's important because a lot of people read fiction, but we can also um, use fiction, you know, to portray the gritty, you know, non-fiction of of life because violence yes. is. Non-fictional. No, it is, it is totally. But the other, the other thing that interested me, there was one of the characters who makes uh, decisions and and looks at sex in the way many men do, uh, which is uh, which is a deal mm-hmm. actually. And uh, and I thought that was very very interesting as well. And I'm sure that that could be expanded at some future stage, you know, without any doubt. But Sue, I mean, we started off with lots of time, and as <laughs> as it happens yeah, with yeah. books, I mean, you know, we could go on. We haven't even touched this book but but for those of you who are listening it is the most perfect book club book um it's called a family affair um it's published by macmillan who are you know fabulous publishers and the book is about a family called the mafus pastor abraham and his wife pumla lots of stories to be told about them zandili newlywed yandiswa rebellious kaliswa the businesswoman and i've put a little note to myself here the perfect family question mark but not so there's no such thing there's no such thing as perfect families you know and i don't know why people want to project this facade i mean think of the bible the first family you meet is dysfunctional ken kills abel but we always obsessed <laughs> with this business of looking perfect picture perfect and and it's we're not and we need to accept those flaws and stop treating our families like a PR exercise. And then we'd, we'd actually deal with the problems instead of trying to smooth over them and, and the Band-Aid. Well, I looked at the Band-Aid, and of course you've got to read the book to understand the Band-Aid. But I think it's an absolutely fantastic read. As I said to you when I phoned you up to tell you that I was in love with your book, um, it is 400 and something pages, and I had just read, in fiction, a nearly 600-page book. And that was my Christmas holidays gone, done and dusted. So guys, go out and get this book. It is absolutely fantastic. And, uh, And if you haven't read The Gold Diggers, well, I would buy the two of them and ask for a discount. So, Suniati, thank you so much. And I look forward to speaking longer to you about this, uh, about this book if the occasion presents itself. And that would be a pleasure too. Thank you, Jenny. Saturdays with Jenny. Every Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. on Kaya FM 95.9.
Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.